Anyone who's looked for a new rental home knows how stressful it can be. And that's especially the case in one of the world's hottest rental markets, New York City. Things come on and and go off so quickly in the the rental marketplace that you really have to be ready to jump on it. That's Nick Smith-George, Senior Director of Growth Strategy and Revenue Operations at StreetEasy, a real estate listing platform that's now part of the Zillow brand. Before he worked at StreetEasy, Nick moved to New York with his fiancée, and their apartment search was a bit overwhelming. I didn't know a ton about the, the market here. And it was very fragmented and very time-consuming, um, and it was easy to miss things. It's not just its size that makes New York City intimidating. By nature, it's an incredibly scattered marketplace. Some buildings are rent-controlled, some aren't, but contain a few units that might be. And even when you find the right place, there are a lot of unknowns, such as how much you actually have to pay to lock it down. You know, the upfront cost can be pretty surprising. So. You generally are paying, you know, first last month rent, a security deposit, and often a, a broker fee. So you're looking at the monthly price of a listing and, and you don't realize up front that that's actually, you know, going to be multiplied by four. Now, by law, rental histories are available online, but only if you're willing to comb through city records. The information renters and buyers need is out there somewhere, but locating it can sometimes feel like fumbling around in the dark. The lights need to be turned on in the room so that you can see what's what's happening in the market and, and make the right decisions. During his search, Nick found a New York-specific listings platform, StreetEasy. I didn't really know what StreetEasy was other than it seemed to have all of the listings and it had all the information that I needed. The information had been collated and packaged for him. Not only could StreetEasy tell you about all those mysterious fees, it told you how long a place had been on the market and how the price fluctuated. Founded in 2006, StreetEasy set out to be a single source of truth in a complex, uniquely opaque market. StreetEasy's mission has been to bring transparency and turn on the lights um, around things that are happening out in the market that you know you as a, a consumer, a buyer, renter, or seller, you, you need to know this is happening. Average rents, broker's fees, the history of a building, or the pros and cons of a given neighborhood. For years now, StreetEasy has been gathering all that scattered data and presenting it to the people who need it in a way that allows them to make better informed decisions. Through the now vast amounts of data it's collected through the years, StreetEasy is beginning to offer larger insights into a pretty complex industry. There is a staggering amount of data in our world. And StreetEasy, like many enterprises, provides a window into what that data tells us. That window can be an enormous source of untapped value for both businesses and customers. I'm Elise Hugh. And I'm Josh Klein. And this is Built for Change, a podcast from Accenture. Gosh, Josh, I am sending out data constantly from my phone on my location or with my wearable devices on how many steps I take and my heart rate. There's so much data that I'm sending out and could be potentially put to use. Yeah. Yeah. And there's so many implications for what you could do with that. Like, I know that that some smartphones are being used to, like, diagnose depression or early onset of Alzheimer's, like 
stuff that you wouldn't expect from your you know wearable exercise device it's a data deluge there's so much <laughs> new data it's we really can't even comprehend it right there's so much new data that's been created and stored since the dawn of computers and then it's gone exponentially up since the dawn of cloud computing. Yeah, it's it's massive, but that doesn't mean that it's easy to find or to understand, right? That's true. <laughs> Which is why many enterprises might not even realize the value of, I guess we'll call it dormant data. That's true. It's kind of like data that's sitting in filing cabinets, not being used by anyone. And, and you know there's value there. So today we're gonna look at how enterprises can unlock the power of all this data and how data transparency benefits businesses, customers, and the general public. Right, because it's clear that activating that data can deliver real value, but what does it mean to, to activate mm -hmm. dormant data? You know, How do you go from a bunch of information sitting in the cloud to a, a window of transparency that delivers real insights? For the answers, we talked to Accenture's Karthik Narain. Data is the most fluid asset in any organization, and it's changing every second of the day. That's Karthik. He's lead of Accenture Cloud First and Data and AI. He's an expert in how businesses should handle big data and the value that can come from activating it. Organizations need to care for their data and need to invest in technologies to manage their, their data. They are realizing that the pace of data is growing so fast and the complexities of the data is um, you know is also increasing exponentially. They're also seeing early signs of value from data, and they're actually seeing the the competitors that are effectively using data are doing way better than the ones that are not using data. Finding the value in data begins with recognizing that it's not just something to be stored away. It's an asset, like on a company's balance sheet. If you look at it by the definition of the term asset, it is something that you hold on to and put a value to it and nurture it over time. There's a lot of things that enterprises treat as asset and put a value to it and show that in their balance sheet. But the asset that they've been holding and has not changed or discarded over decades is their data. Enterprises should look for the value in the data they're sitting on. What is it telling you? What can it tell you? If you are running a business, your data is changing constantly. If your production is happening 24 by seven, the production data is coming. If your products are being uh, bought you know, globally 24 by seven, your sales information is changing. Uh, if somebody is coming and you know filing a report, reaching out for customer support, you're getting information about customer satisfaction on a daily basis or a you know hourly, minutely basis. Organizations are collecting tons of data, but they don't always know how to securely and responsibly unlock its value, either amongst their own teams or out in the world. For example, just by doing business every day, a real estate company like, say, StreetEasy is accumulating data that not only provides valuable insights to their employees and customers, but also to the market as a whole. Data talks about how uh, a business is running, what is selling, um, what is being created and who's responsible for what and what kind of dependency uh, is, is there between the various departments and players within uh, an organization. And the whole idea of using data to bridge the silos within an organization is all about creating this window of transparency. 
because that is the underlying fuel that enables the entire organization data is created and is accessed through the life cycle view of a customer through the life cycle view of you know creating a product through the life cycle view of using the product that's what karthik means by window of transparency a clear and detailed view into a part of the world around us but in order to find and open windows of transparency enterprises need to first have the right modern data foundation in place and that is the difference it's about breaking the silos of data bringing all of this together and letting you know modern capabilities newer capabilities like ai or generative ai uh to play on top of it to give you new insights according to karthik emerging ai tools will have a huge role to play in activating data that's why it's crucial for enterprises to update their data architecture it's the only way to bring your data streams together so that new technologies can unlock their full potential to use data in a, in a free form within an enterprise architecture needs to be revamped companies should have a mechanism to capture manage and process data across its full span sound daunting karthik and accenture have broken down the process of activating dormant data into six steps extricate extend productize automate uh, democratize and publish it begins with extricating data from silos extending different streams of data and bringing them together you get intelligence when data comes together and uh, you're able to put finance data with sales information with product information with customer usage information competitor information and consumer sentiments through social media platforms at this point trends start to emerge and training ai to seek out and understand those trends can turn dormant data into a valuable source of real time insight into your business That brings us to step 3, treating data like a product that's meant to be consumed, and step 4, automating it like it's an application or program. Using data as the means to understand what product we want to create and how we are creating it. How are our customers buying it and how are our products are being used is a very different lens. and that lens can be opened up using data for every department and then they can all think about what is their role in in this life cycle view of um, of data and it's crucial to consider the customer in all this opening up a window of transparency can be huge for internal operations but in 2023 consumers are demanding transparency as well Karthik uses the example of a bank customer who wants total transparency before they decide who to bank with So this transparency and this visibility is required on both sides. One for say the bank to show what are all the portfolio of products that they offer and what are the competitive products that is available in the market and give uh, a view of in what ways other products are better and what ways their products are better or said in another way in what cases should a customer choose their products versus a competitor products and in a transparent way show to them that if you have some other needs you would probably want to choose a competitor product karthik's talking about the last two steps democratize and publish these are all about sharing data and the insights it's created now sharing data not just internally but externally as well should become the new normal and just like that an enterprise can create value for itself for its customers for everyone 
from data that was just sitting around. Greater transparency can help enterprises strengthen existing relationships and become a way to add new ones. We're entering a new era for enterprises driven by transparency, and businesses that seize the moment will stand to benefit. Those who don't will be left behind. So Josh, you work in business and in tech. Why do you think data transparency is such an important value for businesses? There are two big things that stick out for me. One is transparency is how business understands itself, right? We know that mm-hmm. siloed data is a really big problem for companies. And as they go more digital, it just becomes more so. But but the other one, and maybe the more interesting one, is that's how you provide valuable insights to the customer. I mean, we know that consumer trust is at an all-time low. When you start really owning up to what your products are made of, how they're produced, where they're yeah. developed, that stuff matters. So when you're buying something, what kind of transparency makes you trust that the purchase is a good idea? I mean, for me, it's all of those things, right? Where was it made? How was it made? What's in it? You know, I, I I don't need to know down to the molecular level, but, you know, there's a lot of products that it matters to me whether my kids are taking something that, you know, has heavy metal in it. Or, or you know, as Nick was talking about, you know, when I moved to New York, I wanted to know a lot of information about the neighborhoods I was going to that I just couldn't get, right? Like how walkable was it? Yes. So why don't we return to Nick Smith-George's story to hear how Street Easy used data to make his hunt easier. Nick's apartment search has a happy ending. He and his fiance, now wife, found an apartment in Brooklyn. And now as Street Easy's senior director of growth strategy and revenue operations, Nick spends his days working with data and building windows of transparency into the city's real estate market. We have a couple of different sources of data. We, on the listing side, are collecting information directly from our users, who are the professional agents that are that are posting listings, we're then collecting information from you know various city data sources. Many of those city sources have you know APIs that you can hook into. Next, they pull the data in and match it against a given property. So the the property is sort of the the source of truth. What's the active listing on that property? What are the previous? listings that were associated with that property when it was on the market, what building is that property in, and we're using that to pull all that information in from the inventory side um, and, and tie it all together for you know a property that sits in a building that has you know a listing on the market. Again, this is information that was already available, but too siloed to be of use to the general public. But that wasn't the case with some other really useful information, like how prices fluctuate and how many people are interested in a specific listing. Who's searching where, which listings are garnering the most interest, what's happening on the market through this, you know, this flow of, of renters and, and buyers um, that are coming to Street Easy and using the platform. And so that some of that data is also you know, being surfaced back to users, you can see how many people have, you know, saved a particular property. We have features where, you know, listing agents and sellers can see how their property is is performing in terms of who's viewing it, who's making inquiries about the property. This is data created on the platform as users browse. And instead of keeping it behind closed doors, Nick's team turns it into value for the people browsing the platform and for the platform itself. Street Easy now has a trove of historical data, too. That's how they were able to launch a new feature that recommends agents to buyers and sellers. You have all of these pockets of, of expertise 
agents that have been in the market for years and years and know this particular building and know all the intricacies of the, the building and other homes that have gone on the market in that building. Agents have to provide accurate information to StreetEasy if they want their listings to be seen. And over years of working with those agents, the platform has built up a roster of trusted experts. The transparency there is around understanding that agent's expertise at a, at a more granular level so that you can make the, the best decision about who to, who to represent you. And there's one more benefit to activating all this data. Surprising things can happen when you create a window of transparency. StreetEasy has been a, a really valuable partner to some of the policymakers um, in, in the city and in New York. And, you know, a recent example of that is housing vouchers. And StreetEasy was able to pull together data on the rental marketplace, which, like I said, was a, 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 a very um, o- opaque part of the market in, in previous years. By 2021, Nick's team had amassed so much data about the New York rental market They were able to advise New York City officials as to what the market looked like. The city was evaluating a voucher program meant to help low-income New Yorkers afford homes. But StreetEasy's data showed that the program was dramatically underestimating the actual costs of rent and informed a new piece of legislation that brought the vouchers in line with reality. We were able to sort of package that up in a a digestible way for, um, for policymakers. And they were able to take that data and compare it against, you know, uh, rental affordability by demographic information. Here are the homes that are out on the market and the price points. And here's what kind of reach this program has based on that. And here's how you could expand the reach based on, you know, price points and what's on the market. We were able to pull together, you know, information on what's actually out there, the price points of, of rental listings and help policymakers thinking about the the threshold for housing vouchers. And that that data actually helped successfully pass a bill that raised the threshold and expanded, you know, expanded affordability and access to a very vulnerable part of the market in this city. Transparency made a meaningful impact on the city thanks to one platform knowing how to activate its data. I mean, I've lived in New York. The idea of making housing there more affordable is pretty, <laughs> pretty eye-opening for me. Yeah, right. but but also just fixing that mammoth problem of, of aggregating and making that data useful through something as simple as just examining the data that's there. But as we've really homed in on in this episode, as businesses start to think more and more about how to harness their data, they have to keep the customer's perspective in mind. Yeah. And fortunately, there's lots of opportunities for customers to share feedback that businesses can listen to and then take action on, you know, especially in the online space. However, we all know the Internet can be a tricky place to navigate (laughs) when it comes to online reviews. True, true. You know, transparency is a two way street and businesses need to build their data strategy around that idea if they want to earn and reinforce their customers trust. So that's why we talked with Trustpilot, the online review aggregator, to hear why enterprises shouldn't shy away from the conversation with their customers. In fact, they should embrace it. Carolyn Jamison is Trustpilot's CTO, Chief Trust Officer. It's an unusual title, I know, but I believe it's one that is emerging more and more out there. Carolyn's job is all about opening windows of transparency because Trustpilot's mission is to help people decide what to buy and whom to trust. 
our founder is Danish originally, and I think that's actually quite important because I think culturally in Denmark, they are a very trusting culture and the concept of people not being treated well when they were then online was something that was quite abhorrent, I think, to him. Founded in 2007, Trustpilot wasn't the first online platform to crowdsource reviews for products, businesses, and services. But it was the first popular review platform to embrace transparency when it came down to its own operations. A simple review aggregator may seem like a window of transparency, but it's actually surprisingly opaque. How do you know who really left the review and why? We are what we would call um, an open platform. And what we mean by that is consumers can come at any time and leave a review about a business that they've had an experience with. Many other review platforms that you see, a business has to invite somebody or some review platforms allow businesses to selectively display certain reviews, you know, the good, not the bad. Trustpilot really doesn't work like that. We display every review that's left by a consumer. As long as it's genuine, it meets our guidelines, all those sorts of things. So what we are effectively doing is providing a real platform for consumers to have a voice and share their experiences. And then for other consumers to come and where they can see all, you know, the whole raft of experiences as opposed to only the ones that the businesses have selectively chosen. Trustpilot's efforts toward transparency begin with small but important measures, such as requiring reviewers to leave their contact info so that what they say can be verified. If a business notices something fishy, they can flag the review for Trustpilot, who might ask the reviewer for proof that they actually use the service they reviewed. So reviewers and businesses can flag reviews that they they believe are suspicious to us. And we have a team of people, our content integrity specialists, as we call them, and they will look at every review that's flagged. And we also have a fraud and investigations team who then look at particularly complex instances of that and the data that we have. Fake reviews can come from a number of sources. Sometimes positive reviews come from within the business itself. But rivals might also try to flood the internet with negative reviews of a competitor. Sometimes the posters are individuals or groups of people with an agenda of their own. So we have a few different approaches to this because there's no single silver bullet to to this issue. So we'll look at things like user identifiers, device characteristics, location, data timestamps, things like that. And anything that looks unusual there, that would then be highlighted and and that would be treated as as, um, suspicious and potentially not get onto the platform. Trustpilot's team have become experts in recognizing fake reviews. After all, they've got years worth of data on how people try to game the system. In fact, you could say that Trustpilot has activated years worth of data and found the value in it. We have a large number of reviews, which means that we have very reliable information to help us build patterns. And those patterns are really important. You know, we use that to to effectively inform the machine learning models that we use to then automate and detect any any abuse. And because of the large volume of data, it, it becomes more and more reliable. This work is crucial because a platform like Trustpilot is only as good as the trust it builds, not only with consumers, but also with the companies being reviewed. Enterprises can't control whether or not they get reviewed on Trustpilot. But Carolyn says that some business leaders still don't grasp the importance of interacting with those reviews. 
She says enterprises need to think less about getting glowing reviews and more about what they can learn from the less than glowing ones. People think they have to have five stars, etc. It's not really about about that for consumers. And we see that a lot as we engage with consumers. They don't necessarily look for five-star businesses. You know, they look for businesses that will engage with them well when they have a problem, help them to sort out that problem. It's natural to want nothing but five-star reviews for your business. But Carolyn says perfection isn't nearly as important as building strong relationships that keep customers loyal. It doesn't really work to hide away from from things that are, that are happening you have to try and embrace it and and deal with it positively and see how it can actually help you help your business online reviews provide a window of transparency into a business and it's not only customers who can look through them carolyn says that for businesses there's overlooked value in receiving honest instant feedback one particular business had changed a supplier and they'd always had really great feedback great reviews it suddenly changed as soon as they changed supplier. What the business at first viewed as merely a bad review was more than that. It was the first sign of a problem and the first opportunity to address it. And it was because one of the component parts of their product had a problem. And without that feedback, how long would it have taken for them to have noticed that? It happened very quickly. When you step back, a handful of reviews that point out a specific issue aren't so bad. They're data points, and like all data, they can provide value to enterprises that know how to use them. As Carolyn said earlier, customers don't expect perfection. They do, however, appreciate responsiveness. When they dug into it and realized, they were very grateful for that. And I think it is just, it builds that trust between you and your customers if you're willing to engage openly with it. At this point, you might think, well, that's easy for Trustpilot to say. Their freemium model offers analytics and insights to companies who pay. So yes, they do have an interest in this. But when it comes to transparency, they also practice what they preach. There's a page on Trustpilot's site dedicated to reviews of Trustpilot. Like every other company on their platform, their average rating is there for all to see even in Carolyn's email signature. Carolyn has encountered users who are so grateful for the window of transparency they create that they decided to leave a review the old-fashioned way. Somebody appeared here in the Edinburgh office the other month and um, went down to see him. He'd come to say thank you because he had had such a great experience and it really helped him avoid an issue or resolve an issue that he'd had. So, which was lovely. It's heartwarming when you get stories like that, but they do happen in the review space. It's not all about people being unhappy. It's great. <laughs> well, it's certainly one way to give an authentic review just by showing up in real life. Yeah, to give your review, <laughs> but it might be the only way to really do it, right? I mean, we've got all these, all this AI and everything else. I mean, it, the information reliability is in question in a lot of these platforms. I still really get influenced though by online reviews, whether yeah. it's when I'm purchasing a product or whether I'm trying to decide whether to go to a place or a restaurant. Yeah. So, do you look for certain things beyond just five stars? Uh, so, my wife and I have created weighted indexes for online purchases in the past where we take like 15 different factors and cross index them. So, yeah, a little Nerd bit alert. over the top. Yeah. A little Nerd bit. alert. Yeah. But it is really encouraging to hear about how Trustpilot takes accuracy seriously and how it's helping other businesses do the same. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's going to be necessary as we go forward. We're going to need trusted authorities. It's eye-opening, right, to see how powerful data has become. And when it comes to all the data, the huge opportunities enterprises have if they choose to embrace transparency. So to learn more, check out the Tech Vision 2023 report, as well as Accenture's latest report on dormant data on the Foresight app. Huge thanks to Accenture's Karthik Narain. And to Nick Smith-George and Carolyn Jameson for talking to us. Built for Change is a podcast from Accenture. More episodes are coming soon. Follow, subscribe, and if you like what you hear, leave us a review.